0: Okay, so with the characters out of the way, let's get on to the actual story elements that don't relate to specific characters. Yes. Um, First of all, something I want to address, which is a little bit maybe on the duller side, is we learn a bit more information pertaining to the machines that belong to Kevis and Agnes, the ones we've seen in the first trailer, because we saw quite a bit about them here. Um... So I suppose one one thing I would like to point out is that we've now got logos for both Kevis and Agnes. Right. Uh, Kevis's is like a triangle with. Uh, if you'd like me to send it to you, I can. Oh, that'd probably be helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. Kevis's is like a triangle with a um, circle in the middle. All right. Yeah. And Agnes is. I don't even know how to explain it. It's there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, there it is. I'm not sure there's much we can glean so,
0: from these. Or... Really not a lot, I, to my knowledge, but hmm. I'm sure people have found them in like Greek, sorry, Latin mythology <laughs> yeah. somewhere. You know what I mean? Like Gnosticism is coming back or something.
1: Most likely. Um,
0: yeah, there'll, there'll be something there. But on on all the websites, like all the Kevis characters have the Kevis symbol, all the Agnes characters have the Agnes symbol. Hmm. Um, It also appears on some of the clothing, such as on Lanza's coat. Yeah. Um, So that's pretty cool that we have, like, those signs for them. Um, As for the actual machines, um, we see from Kevis there's, like, a huge, huge machine that is, like, destroying land at the beginning of the trailer, rolling over loads of stuff. It seems like a place that you can visit that might even have, like, a city on top of it.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, Or at least something similar will have a city on top of it. Um, but it seems like, again, Kevis really has, like, McConus looking equipment yeah. all over the place. Um, which suggests to me, personally, that Mekona might take, like, a, a larger role in this game than they even did in
1: Xenoblade 1.
0: Um, it's
1: plausible, especially because, of course, if the theory about lands yeah. and that is correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then there's something related
0: to them as well in there, definitely. Um but, like, Egil's not around to build all the mech on, so clearly someone has. Mm. They ha- The mechina have the knowledge, too.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. So,
0: yeah, possibly even ones we know of, such as Venea. Yeah. Um, Because, of course, the lifespan's very possible. Um. So, yeah, they definitely seem to be a driving force here. Um, albeit a lot of the technology is also modified with, like, blue rings that we know Shulk had one of on his... Uh, equipment. Right, yeah. In Future Connected. So, again, possibly this is, a lot of this stuff is a combination of Shulk and Machina working together to make a bunch of crazy high-tech stuff. Alongside, you know, of course, the High Hyentia as well. Yeah. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of theory in terms of that. Um, There's a huge, like, battle monster that we see controlled by Ethel against um, Kamnavi and you know, that, that seems to have, like, dual swords, just like Ethel has. I, I'm going to keep flip-flopping doing the pronunciation. <laughs> Until we get um, something official. <laughs> I don't like Ethel as a pronunciation. No, no. I think Ethel's way better. Ethel but... sounds more zeal <laughs> It does, yeah. Um, so she seems to be controlling that in, like, a huge battle. But at the same time, we see something extremely similar, possibly the same machine. Attacking Voldy in one of the scenes uh, Possibly what I suspect To be like a defect of sorts perhaps Yeah um, That you fight maybe early-ish in the game And it's like ah oh, this is a One that's not working help us Take it down because it's malfunctioned I don't know hmm. um, But yeah that's a little bit more Insight into the technology Kind of like a more agile version of The face to mech on by the looks of it Much more sort of humanoid Skeletal forms Yeah uh, pretty insane. Um, and then the one final thing to point out here is that in one of the scenes, and again, I'll send a picture to you, um, on top of the huge rolling machine, we see two characters standing above it, and I don't recognise either of them. No. Uh, I have no idea who they are, because it seems like there's one person in the front with white hair, and then like maybe a subordinate behind that actually looks a little bit like
1: Noah. So, you really can't tell from that zo- from how zoomed out it is, no and even if you could, yeah, I don't think it's, they it's are. only
0: like a, a split second Yeah. but they seem to be at the forefront of that huge thing
1: interesting, those are like two new characters if I had to guess
0: yeah, so you were mentioning earlier about having an equivalent to the two uh, Agnes members, whereas there's only one on Kevis' side, well that could be it.
1: That's true, yeah, that could, that could match um
0: they are definitely characters, ones that I think will be important, but of course we we cannot learn anything else about them no. at this point in <laughs> time. At all. Um As for the Agnes machines, uh we see actually a little bit more of them. Um so there's that one big machine that we keep seeing. We've seen a couple times now. Kind of like that uh that one that seems to be attacking. It shoots like lasers everywhere out of it. Um it's got like a I don't know how you'd even describe it, but it seems like a transportable ship of sorts. You know. Yeah. Um. So that seems to be there. One of them has gone either offensive or, or you know, as a defect because they're attacking the group in one trailer. Uh, sorry, in one scene. Yeah. Um. So quite possibly that is just because the group is being attacked by Agnes. They're using that to attack them, I don't know. Yeah. Um, But we've seen them a couple places all over the place. I'm guessing they are, like, maybe small transportable settlement ships of sorts. I'm not
1: really sure. That would make sense, yeah. Um,
0: We also see um, Isurugi talking to, or looking up at another Kevis machine, which we haven't seen elsewhere. Uh, and I cannot really describe it any more than that Because there's really not much to say about it It just looks like another mm. Offensive droid of sorts They're really sort of leaning heavy Into the robot side of things in this game They I are,
1: they're, they're up and up in the mechanic stuff Which we we got more than Xenoblade <laughs> 1 They sort of dropped it out for a lot of Xenoblade 2 But it's all back in full force now Which I suppose when you're bringing in the bottom mm. From Xenoblade 1 makes sense
0: What well, almost strikes me is like, These are like newer gen battle droid Type things, you yeah. know what I mean? It's very odd, um, and what they do in fact remind me of, because we see one of them in a battle scene, is one of them looks extremely similar to one of the enemies in the World Tree. Uh, you know, the like spherical enemy, the one that's like in a ball, and then it
1: yes, sort of, yeah, I do know the one you mean. Like
0: sort of expands to attack you. There's one of those in the trailer. That's uh, Agnes. That's Affiliate true. It.
1: I didn't I thought I recognized that from something and you were right it does look kind of like that. So
0: yeah, maybe they've taken technology from the world tree somehow. Um I don't know. It it's hard to tell exactly. Uh, yeah. And then the final machine that they have is a huge one, the the one with like the really cool-looking flame spear controlled by Camnavi. Um he's the one in charge of that attacking Ethel. Yeah. Uh I, I just think it looks really cool, to be honest. <laughs> the flame spear looks sick. It's one of my favourite-looking weapons so far, actually, out of all of them. Yeah, um, and, and I think Cam Navi actually says in a scene, he's like, face my spear. So, yeah. Sort of gives you an idea into what he's like. Um, next up is a plot point, which I find rather interesting, from near the beginning of the trailer. And it is... It's where... Ethel is facing the main cast, and all of the six in the main cast are viewed as, like, these shadow creatures. The Nopon yeah. aren't, but for some reason, they they are viewed as shadows. The
1: fact that the Nopon can't, I have to assume it's to do with their ability to form the Ouroboros.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm guessing too, is yeah. it's, it's like their Ouroboros energy, which is causing them to be seen like that. Um... It almost reminds me of fog beasts, which is possibly where fog beasts become important in the game.
1: Yeah, I did have that thought. Yeah. Um,
0: it 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 is reminiscent. I mean, it could just be that they look similar, because at the same time they remind me of the phantasms in the Spirit Crucible.
1: That's true as but, well. Um, yeah.
0: It's like it, it might be a coincidence, but fog beasts shouldn't be ruled out for this.
1: Plot. Yeah, I struggle to think like how fog beasts themselves would relate to. These guys or the Ouroboros, I like. They because the beasts were just generic monsters who got corrupted. Well, I guess maybe they were. Maybe there's a, a fear that if the people, the people who use Ouroboros, if they release that kind of energy when they do it, and that can corrupt other enemies, and maybe that's why the other nations don't want them to use it because it's dangerous. It could it could be connected Quite in possible. something like that. Like that could be the cause of the fog, and the, that causes the fog beasts,
0: perhaps. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely a good point, like, this, they find these people to be dangerous. Um, and one thing that we can glean from the um, sort of the character relation charts is that with both Ethel and Isurugi attacking the group, all of the characters are like, why are you attacking us? Yeah. So clearly they don't know that they're being seen like this at first. Yes. Um. And I have a theory that... W- one thing I've noticed, um, which I was going to wait until this part to talk about, is both Ethel and Isurugi have a red eye, like a red glowing eye. Yeah. Um. And I believe it's only those two. I could be wrong, I, maybe Kamnavi did as well, but... I think you're right. I. Th- no, I think it was just Ethel and Isurugi, hmm. who both have, for some reason a glowing red eye. Now I don't know if that means that they are evil themselves or if they've been given I-, I think there's a chance that both of them have been like inflicted with this red eye, whether it be by Melia or Nea or the evil or Oberos or whoever it is. Yeah. For some reason they've both been they've both had this red eye thing inflicted on them that causes them to see the party like this. You know, that I think they're both being manipulated and this is where both of those arcs comes in. Is that they both have been inflicted with this red eye, so they both see the party as evil, and as these shadows. Hence, why you know they're trying to attack them. That would
1: be interesting. Um. The other way, you could look at it as if maybe they've been given something which allows them to detect it. So it could just be a sense of they are able That's to true. detect the power that others can't. But that is an interesting look at it. That what if it was they were given that ability to manipulate them to think it's evil when it's not that is definitely not out of the question
0: yeah um and this kind of fog vision shadow thing is I think the main reason why the group is going to be chased and attacked is because they are being viewed like this yeah like let's get them they're evil uh of course you know with the Ouroboros thing itself but like this is the way they're identified to have that yeah um So yeah, I I think the red eyes is going to be a very important factor that only very specific characters have. Whether it's like a deliberate thing or if it's a manipulation thing. Yeah. It's going to be important. Um... I guess uh, next point is... Oh yeah, uh, the arm Monado.
1: (laughs) Straight up doing Iron Man stuff, it's cool. (laughs) Yeah, literally
0: Iron Man. Um... So you know, we see in one of the trailers that um, Noah has this sword, which I don't believe has a name yet. Still, um, but it's basically Manado Free. Um, wait, no, Manado Free already exists as a <laughs> blade uh, version. Free, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, where the sword, he can like. It's almost as if the red part of it is treated like a. Um, oh God! What do you call it? The sheath. Um, so he sort of pulls it out There's a silver looking sword inside Which might be special Might be just like a random sword uh, And then the red part of the sword Sort of latches onto his arm And becomes his arm Yeah uh, God knows how that works in combat Maybe it's a mechanic Maybe it's just like a story thing that happens It's hard to know. say
1: I mean it reminds me of like uh, Cloud in Final Fantasy Advent Children When you see in these Final Smash where he like takes the sword apart and there's like different swords and that. it it's definitely not to that yeah, level exactly. but it's really a really interesting design thing. It's just straight away it just looks badass. And if yeah. that's as simple as it is, <laughs> that is just done something so he can have a cool arm thing and it looks badass, I'm cool with that. But I do wonder what does this if it will affect gameplay or if it is just a um mm. like is it like a finisher move he can use or something to absorb something with the arm or I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, and there is also one thing I noticed from going frame by frame through the trailer. And I can't tell if this is an error or if it's a very important story thing. I think I know what you mean. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Does his arm
1: just come off his body? Yes. Yeah. I I did notice that. So,
0: something is going on here. Where in a frame, his arm isn't part of his body. But then, even in the couple frames after that, it still looks like the, you know, sort of the arm part closest to his shoulder still has something wrong with it. There's, like, purple lines streaking from it. Yeah. Um, So I think it's actually very... It could just be a coincidence, but it's very possible that Noah's left arm... Well, he doesn't have one.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know if it was just, like... (laughs) Or, like, there's something wrong with it? That was a cutscene, wasn't it? It wasn't gameplay. Um so if it was just gameplay I might think maybe it's just the animation just it doesn't need to show it because it's a very quick thing and you're not gonna no one's gonna freeze it in game or anything and it could still be the case but the fact that it does that in like a full cutscene it's really odd it is it could be insignificant it could just be like because if if you're not freeze framing it you're not gonna notice it doesn't matter but Mm. it does make you wonder because that's still something you wouldn't usually see like I can't see why it would happen. Like, animation-wise, so...
0: I agree. I don't know. I'm also noticing that in his arm in that one frame, very much a part of it around his elbow is like a a pure green light before the rest of it is even latched onto him. Yeah. So I'm wondering if perhaps... Again, maybe that's just like a way for them to... to layer it all in terms of the animation and the 3D models. Uh, It very well could be. But... Maybe, again, like, there is something deeper going on here with his arm. You know, maybe he is, like, an amputee or, you know, something special is going on there. It's it's really hard to tell whether it was just an error or a genuine story point.
1: Yeah. Time will tell. I'm not sure
0: what to make of it yet.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: But either way, really cool Monado (laughs) arm.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I like it. Um... And then one other thing we see in uh, one of the other scenes near the very end is we notice that all of the characters summon their weapons into existence in a cutscene, including Noah. And they all do it within, it's like a red and orange sort of, um, I, I really don't know how to describe it. But like, near the end of the trailer you'll notice they're in like a purple fog of sorts. They all just draw their weapons and they, like, appear magically in, like, an orange and red light. Yeah. And then they form in their hands, like, magically. They don't, you know, they don't have the weapons on them before that.
1: So. It does, um, I mean.
0: And you also can't see whether it happens to the Nopons weapons or not, but I don't think it does.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Because they're not all blades, so it's not like something blade weapons.
0: Yeah, and I don't think this is related to the Ouroboros stuff either. Mm. So maybe this is just a thing people can do?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Sort of reminds me of in Xenoblade 2, where they, the, the same thing happens with your weapons in in like, bits. Because, mm. you know, the weapons regenerate and whatnot.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: And changing forms and whatever. It could be related to that, but... Again, there's something there that may or may not be explained. Yeah. Um, all right, getting onto the juicy bits of the uh, story then sort of th- maybe one of the biggest things they announced is uh, well the interlink process first, the interlink process by which the characters can see each other's memories and is caused by emotions and the power of friendship yeah and uh, yeah, and then they they transform um...
1: <laughs> That's the new gameplay twist that. I mean, we're all wondering, sort of, every game has some sort of big mechanic, and it feels like that could mm. be, you know, like, the seeing the future equivalent, it's...
0: Pretty much, yeah. Golden Light is in the exact same way as Foresight in Xenoblade 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is very much the big power of friendship uh, <laughs> process, Um You know, I like how it looks. I like how the animation looks. Um, And the main thing here, before we actually get onto the Ouroboros' themselves, is that it seems like... Yeah, they say that these are triggered by, like, strong emotions, I believe. Mm. Um, And it's actually a point that we can see for both Noah and Mio, and then also Lance and Cena, uh, where these happen in the game, possibly. Yeah. Um, So we can see that Noah and Mio's is triggered by the big monster fight that they're having against that huge evil yeah. Um, It seems like maybe, you know, they both do this during that fight. Probably as the first one. You know, it makes sense for the main characters to get the first Ouroboros transformation. Mm. Um, so they get it in that battle as a tutorial of sorts, and then that kind of spurs on the rest of the game as, oh, they've got the evil Ouroboros thing, let's destroy them all. And then through maybe the next chapter or two, the other two pairs also get the power.
1: Yeah. I could see that. Um, yeah.
0: We do see it with Lanz and Cena. We see that they are in, like, that rocky land, perhaps in a showdown with Ethel, but maybe just, like, a completely unrelated thing. I'm not really sure. But it seems like them they are going to unlock their Ouroboros, uh by seeing that Noah and me are in danger, which would make sense considering they do both appear to be tanky, you know protect my friends type characters yeah, yeah um, that's really all there is from there I was trying to look around like the the memories that they had in those scenes Um, and the only thing of note apart from, I mean there's Taeyon's got like a character in his but I I can't really tell much from that, is that in Noah's memories uh, when Mio is looking into Noah's memories the the flute guy shows up over and over again from the first trailer
1: Alright I didn't notice that huh? Um,
0: Yeah, the flute guy doesn't show up in this trailer at all Um, but he keeps on appearing non-stop in Noah's memories so maybe, again that's like, sort of background to Noah's story, maybe he saw the flute being played as a kid
1: Yeah, that could be
0: Makes sense um, I don't. I still don't know if the flute player themselves is actually important. I don't think they are, but I still think the scene with them is important. Maybe it's where Noah's like, "Oh, this is where I first learned about f- the power of flutes or something." I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's possible. Okay, hmm. bear with me. <laughs> um, then yeah, the action of Rob Ross themselves then. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs>
1: I I mean, I I like the designs. I think it's it's an interesting idea, and the what the immediately the most noteworthy thing to me, the, the thing that stands out the most is, the first two seem kind of like androgynous, I suppose, whereas one is specifically very much female looking, which that's yeah. the first thing that stands out to me, and I wonder what the significance of that is. But um, I don't know if you have any theories on that. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that, yeah, the the main one definitely looks more androgynous. I think Lans and and Cena's one does as well, but of course you can very tell it's like the the protector one, you know, they've got the big shield
1: things in
0: front. So maybe it's just representing how Taeon and Yuni are both the support characters, so they just get one that would more be linked to support characters in other games, you know, it's just like a a personification of the type of powers they put forward. It could be, yeah. I I I wonder.
1: Yeah, you do kind of wonder where these, um, like, what what does its look come from exactly? And that does make a good point of that. Their designs come from the kind of fighters they are and what their role will be when they form it. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like an interesting way to both provide new new ways for the story to have these characters develop and interact with each other. It puts more pressures on these characters, more pressure on these characters, but also. A gameplay perspective, so it seems like just sort of a win win, interesting idea for both sides of it, really.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting for the, like the new big sort of theming in the game, the new big gimmick that they've got going on, the equivalent of the Monado and Blades. Yeah, is, is this, um, and uh, yeah, I like it. I, I, to be honest, I think compared to, I mean, I think. Both The mystery of the Monado and Blades were both explored really well, so I'm not sure if this will top either of those. I mean, maybe it will again. We'll have to see. Monolith has their ways. Yeah. But um, I am really liking this still, nonetheless. I I like the concept. Definitely. Um, So we can see they have been officially called Eoroboruses, by the way. Um, on the English websites, even. Yeah. Um, they are the result of those interlinks that we talked about, containing, like, both party members are inside of each other, uh, yeah, a bit, a bit AO. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have energy-like spheres at their cores. Um, not like the evil guy who had the Infinity one, but these guys have sort of like a, an orange, sparky-type yeah. core. Which I'm guessing is just, like, the core of their hearts or something, you know? Mm. It makes sense design-wise, I get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like the designs, I think they're good. Um, I don't know how much more we can really say about them, because that's... You know, they just look cool. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, the, the thing in terms of the story is that, uh, of course, Melia and Nia are both doing all they can to stop the ouroboros yeah and um that's a very curious point within itself because i'm noticing when i was rewatching the trailer they refer to it as like a single one being they say stop ouroboros but all of these are free ouroboroses aren't they even if you say that all you know multiple ouroboroses are still called an ouroboros she doesn't say that. She just says, stop Ouroboros, as if there is only one of them.
1: I guess if, if that's something they're named after, like maybe that's the name of the big one we're seeing, that is Ouroboros, and they're using its power or something. I suppose it could be Very possibly,
0: like yeah. I suspect that when they say stop Ouroboros, maybe they don't know that the characters are these. Maybe they see all four of the Ouroboroses we've seen so far as the exact same thing. Possible. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: But it seems very odd to me that they aren't referring to a group of Arabaroses. They are Melia and talk of it as if only one exists. Mm. So maybe, like, maybe the the cast is actually just in trouble because this one Ouroboros guy is very evil, and then they've all been given the same form. So everyone's like, oh, they've got that same form. They must be evil too. Yeah. I think that might just be it. Could be. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It doesn't seem too outlandish.
1: Yeah. And then,
0: one more thing to talk about, which isn't really story, but it's something, is uh, the music. It's good. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have, like, two kind of themes we've heard so far. The first is the main theme, which is on, it's on, like, YouTube and stuff like that, if you look at it. It's on the Japanese website. Um, what do you think of it Matt? What's your opinion on the main thing? I actually
1: haven't listened to it because I kind of don't want to hear it until the main thing. I'm sort of holding off a bit so I don't actually that's have cool. any thoughts on it.
0: For reference uh, part of it you hear at the end of the first Xenoblade 3 trailer Right yeah. With the flute. The flute thing. I do yeah, remember that's... that bit from that. And
1: yeah. All I can say is I like the choice of flutes. I do I do think that sort of as the fact that obviously it's specifically important to the story somehow which we didn't really learned more of this video we didn't really see any more of the flutes but um, yeah we didn't it, it, it's nice that it sort of both fits the story but also just sounds beautiful so i'm well up for
0: it, it does it really sounds great yeah
1: um personally
0: i actually i don't like it as much as the lovely one and two themes i've listened to it quite a few times and like i think it's because i prefer pianos to flutes personally yeah i really like pianos by comparison
1: yeah
0: um but this theme isn't bad, uh, by any means. I still really enjoy it. No, I mean, uh, high, very good certainly one of two and, main yeah. themes are high bar, so... <laughs> yeah, such a high bar. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and then the only other one we've heard was in this trailer. We heard basically the full version of the equivalent of Engage the Enemy in "Counterattack."
1: I saw a video pointing um, out that specifically. It sounds like bits of both of them. Like, not just the equivalent Apparently. of that song. But it sounds like you, you can actually hear bits of both songs in there. So.
0: Yeah. I found a video um, just before we started recording of uh, someone basically tried, like, doing their own transcript of the music based on what could be heard in the trailer. And, mm. you know, they, they use, like, software to mute out any of the voices and, and other sounds. Yeah. Um, so there is kind of, like, an unofficial... Version of that song that I've been able to listen to, and uh it, it's it's good, honestly. Like it's really, it fits the exact same vibe that those two songs do. Uh It's it's
1: pretty good. It's a good sign. <laughs> this game is not going to disappoint.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to the fully clean version before I give like a, an honest verdict on it. But so far, like it's catchy. Yeah. So it's it's seeming very good. Mm. Uh, but that's all we've heard of like really music so far. We've not got anything else not too much no yeah um, and then the last part of the story here to touch on uh, this will go much quicker is some different locations in the game this is something I enjoy so we can kind of get a feel for the world building in the game what we're going to be up against mm. where we might be going especially when we're revisiting Xenoblade 1 and 2's worlds yeah um, so starting off is the rocky environment which we see in a lot of the parts of this trailer a lot of scenes Um, this is where we see kevis sort of sort of rolling their huge machine breaking loads of rocks over it Uh, we see that there's a bit of conflict happening here at the beginning as well um possible that that's where like a lot of the big war stuff takes place between the two titans as well we don't know if this is related to Moor ordain or not, but either way, it seems to be an important landmass, despite just being big, rocky valley.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, is this... Mm-hmm. I can't remember back, but in the first trailer, we saw the Fallen Arm in like a rocky area around it. Is this related to that, or is it different looking?
0: I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's very possible, especially like the way it, the land stretches out. And then the most notable thing is the trees with, like, the orange leaves on them are the same.
1: Right, yeah. So I
0: think that the Fallen Arm place is going to be in the same landmass as this, but nowhere near the scenes we actually saw in the trailer. Yeah. It'll probably be in, like, the other <coughs> end of the map. Yeah. But, the, yeah, the, the exact same environment, though, definitely. Um, and then we also saw a scene with, like, the floating rocks in midair in the first trailer. Uh, we didn't see any more of anything to do with that. Um, but I'm suspecting that maybe that's, like, above whatever's going on here in some way.
1: Essentially, uh, yeah.
0: So that's kind of what we can gather. It's also possible that because this is related to the Fallen Arm Place, it also leads into that huge landmass of the grassland that we saw. Yes. Um, and it's like one huge, huge, huge landmass, which is, there's a couple of different points there that we'll touch on in, in just a second. Hmm. Um, But it seems to all be related, which is cool. Yeah. Um, The second place, again, very minor, is this Kevis territory that I um, was talking about earlier with Voldy, where you fight, like, a big Kevis mech there. You meet Voldy there. The walls, to me, remind me strongly of Colony 6. Mm. It might not be, but it reminds me of Xenoblade 1 Landmass. Yeah. Uh, it just in like the textures. You don't see those textures in Xenoblade Two. So um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it could be, but I have a very strong suspicion that that is Agnes. Uh, sorry, Kevisland. Mm. Um, and then in another scene where the three Robberses are like together at the same time, you notice like it's uh, the background is like a castle wall of sorts or a town wall. That I'm almost certain is Agnesland
1: That would make sense, uh, yeah You know,
0: like an Ag- Agnes Maybe like a town of sorts But gives me like strong sort of tourner vibes in the materials used Um Just looks really cool yeah. <laughs> That's all Um What else do we have I suppose the grassland Is, is one thing to talk about Um we have a lot of different views of the grassland in this game, in a ton of battle scenes in particular. Every
1: the game's got to have it—the main field, yeah. the main field with the big monkey. Um,
0: yeah. So where to start? So one place in one scene where the cast is fighting a Kevis trooper, um, we see uh, a couple of things in the background that are very interesting. One is that Araya is in the background, of course. Mm it's in the background for a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but then there are two big things we notice. One is that in the foreground, almost, is uh, the back wing belonging to Gormont. Right. Um, I cross-referenced it with the actual, like, official artwork of Gormont, or some official artwork that's been done on it. Mm. And the it's like a, the, the back wing lines up perfectly. Yeah. So... It's basically confirmed that we are, you know, some of this grassland is Gormot land. Because yeah. that is part of Gormot. Yeah. However, at the same time, if you look a little further in the background in multiple different places, you can see the archways of Gower Plains. Oh. On the leg.
1: So we're talking like a yeah.
0: fusion. hmm Interesting. Now, yeah, it's like maybe I'd wager like a couple hundred metres back. Yeah. But, like, it's close enough that it's almost certainly some kind of a joint landmass.
1: Oh, the music's going to be got oh. here if it, like, fuses bits with both feet. Could you, so you yeah. imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. It's very possible that we'll, at the very least, get, like, both the motifs in there at some point. Yeah. Like the songs. Definitely, yeah. Oh, that's going to be so cool. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> But yeah, that that's something that I noticed that is like very important in terms of mm. oh boy, a big open grassland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it strikes me that this is going to be more than just one area though because there's so much to it. Yes. Um, because the place where they're fighting this Kevish trooper they're at level 32. So, you know, they're already a fair ways into the game when they're at that higher point perhaps. But then we also see in a couple of other scenes at levels lower than that they seem to still be in the grassland. Yeah. You know, based geographically, you can see that they are at, like, level 11 fighting the heavy brog, for example. I suppose... Uh, you can once again see mm. part of Gormot sort of springing out of one of the walls there. Um,
1: yeah, maybe you have to come back through it and go to different sections of it, but one, one area might be blocked off at one point. It's definitely possible. Yeah.
0: Something along those lines, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, yeah. You know, so you've got, like, some nice waterfalls in the distance... There's, like, a huge Kevis robot in the background of one. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Yeah. Um, And then uh, you can also see Sword Valley in the distance, which is something that will be important in a little bit. Yeah. Um, And then one final point. In one of the scenes, it's suspected that you can see territorial Rockbart. Here it is.
1: I mean, it's got <laughs> to be, hasn't the it? It's big
0: red monkey. It, I feel like it was deliberate. It's a big yeah. red
1: monkey, and it's when they're fighting a level 11 enemy, so you know it's out of place, because that, that's not going to be level 11 no matter what. So, yeah. at, at the very least, it's got to be one of the other variations of big monkey, like Immovable Gonzalez. <laughs> but the fact that it's moving around, it's got to be, hasn't it? I mean...
0: I think it has to be. It's got all of the factors that will go towards it. And, I mean, I'd be disappointed
1: if it wasn't there, so I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Return of the King. That's
0: really all for the grassland, but, yeah, the Return (laughs) of the King. His land has been returned. The noob slayer is back. But it definitely (laughs) seems like... (laughs) But, yeah, we'll be returning to this Gormok Bionis-leg grassland Mm. on multiple occasions, I suspect, and it will probably be... Absolutely huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to implement, you know, returning to it and, and stuff. Maybe it's like a good sort of link point to both Kevis and Agnes territory. Mm. I'm not really sure. But either way, very prominent area, I'm sure. We've seen so much of it already. Yeah. Um, one other point to look at is. This forest area that we see in the first trailer. Um, you know, kind of with like the orange theming going on. Mm. Uh I believe it may also be the same place at the end of this trailer. Um makes sense. But it's kind of like a woodland territory of sorts. Yeah. Um. Now, the location itself isn't that interesting. We can see that there's a camp there, but that that's really it. Uh the main thing is that Uh, This is the same place where we saw the two sides of the six main characters fighting each other. Whereas in the trailer this time around in that forest, we saw the evil Ouroboros guy fighting them all. Yeah. Um, As a result, my guess is that this is the point in the game where the two sides meet. This is the point where the two sides fight each other. And then it's also where this evil Ouroboros guy is introduced... And Noah and Mio's power is unlocked. Like, basically, this is the point where the game spirals into its action.
1: Makes sense, um, yeah.
0: Because everything past this point would be like, oh, the Ouroboros has been revealed, let's uh, get them and stuff. But th- this is, like, the turning point at the beginning of the game, I suspect.
1: I could see that, yeah. Definitely seems like it. Um,
0: also seems just like a, I don't know, I, it looks like a good-looking area. Hmm. So, there's also that.
1: They don't have to work their magic on the design, so...
0: <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> um, and then here's one thing I would like to point out, and I'll, I'll send you another thing of this. Mm-hmm. So, earlier in the trailer, in the actual gameplay, we noticed that Sword Valley and Araya are in, are at different points. Araya is its own broken thing in one area, and the sword of Sword Valley is... Completely separate. It's like a couple thousand metres out. Yeah. Um, I say a couple thousand, probably way more (laughs) than that. But like, they they are very distinctly in different areas. Yeah. Uh, The front of Araya facing the sword. Yeah. Which begs the question why in the official artwork here does it show the sword inside of Araya? Interesting. It's in a different place to where it actually is in the game.
1: You do wonder is it is it just done for style, for presentation to look like it, but it would certainly imply mm. that sword is the reason for Araya, which would make sense because you have got a giant sword. What else could do that to Araya? So
0: yeah, there's definitely background that they are deliberately withholding from us here. Yeah, to do with the sword and Araya, because of course they are the two like signature things for this game now. Mm. Um. In this, we can see them both like one go. Is it going into the other? Whereas before they were separate, it, it seems to be something inconsistent that I'm sure is because they're deliberately withholding information from us.
1: Yeah, definitely. Tell us, Microsoft.
0: <laughs> I guess that's why they moved the game two months earlier.
1: Yep, they can't hold the sequence mm. for too long.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing to note from this picture here is that uh, you notice that. Uh, Uriah isn't in the ocean. It is on top of a big landmass. Yeah. Um, which again is different to what we see at the end of Xenoblade 2, where it crashes into the land. It's on top of the land here.
1: Well, I mean, even in, in Xenoblade 2, it crashed in head first, didn't it? And, like, its head formed in the land, so something's happened. Yes. To uh, release it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I wonder if they just, like, have. They're really concerned because they've had to retcon the end of Xenoblade 2 now. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if it's that. Because I can't think of any other way. I genuinely cannot think of any other way other than they need to retcon the end of Xenoblade 2.
1: Who knows? it just doesn't make <laughs> sense otherwise. I mean, something I something weird is going on, but that's always the case. So they could explain any number of ways, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... So as for that landmass just below it, I suspect that maybe we'll be able to explore that. You know, there does seem to be like an icy part of it near Uriah itself, there's a lot of grassland below it. Hmm. Maybe that is Sword March. I don't know. Um, Could be. It's just a lot of mystery. Yeah. Okay, Uh, and then one more location video will be done soon. (laughs) uh s- <laughs> space <laughs>
1: what <laughs> what's
0: going on here we're getting into end game territory this? Uh, here
1: this is something that you usually yeah. see <laughs> at the end of the games but i suppose at this point they're what like is going on? yeah you guys know that it's somehow create related to earth and space and crazy shit we might as well just show it <laughs> but i mean like it's yeah. for a brief moment and i don't think this is the case but i almost wondered if that was like meant to be Elysium with like space in the background and... Ooh, but maybe. It, then again, I thought it doesn't... The architecture doesn't really add up. Plus there's like Nop on there, which there wouldn't be in Elysium. Um, True. So I, I don't think it is. I mean, where does Nop- where did Nop even come from? I mean, how do... That's a question. I suppose evolution but We don't somehow, even know in... but...
0: I think it's evolution <laughs> in both games, yeah. Yeah,
1: but... Um, so I don't think it is that, but it is interesting that we see like is this meant to be just like a cool visual or is this actually a city in space? Mm-hmm. Because it looks like everything's frozen, it could just be like some sort of dream or something. So we can't really read too much into this as this is definitely a city in space, as opposed to it's like some sort of vision he's having or something. But um, yeah. It definitely, it's cool to see that we are, de- they are connecting things to the whole like, earth and the world. Because that's just, that has got to be, either that is, like Earth from original Klaus's Earth, or it's the, new, it's the new world created at the end of Xenoblade 1 and, and or 2. I can't tell which. Is that their world or is that the old world? Who knows? It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah, But I like that we're getting into this stuff, that, and they don't need to hide it because we know it now. So.
0: Yeah, they know that we understand the flow of the games yeah. and whatnot. So it's a cool, to interesting see... point about it being the original Elysium, though. I don't hate that idea actually. I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that it is because again, the stuff doesn't fully add up. But it would be cool to see that. Yeah, long shot, but not something to rule out. Yeah, um... they've definitely changed the look of oh, things yeah. before, with like Xenoblade 1 to Xenoblade Two with the whole flashbacks. Exactly. So they could do it again. <laughs>
0: Well, one thing to point out here is that the the building structure, the buildings are like brick. True. Which, I'm trying to figure out where, like, who who built this, what generation of people from where, because Xenoblade, this doesn't strike me as any sort of building type from Xenoblade 1, and then it also doesn't strike me as any building type from Xenoblade 2, apart from, like, I don't know, maybe Torna? But even no. even then, no.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe it is Just... a human thing. Maybe, maybe even if not a lesion, maybe it's to do with a different colony in because um... mm. we did there were other stations, weren't there? I believe. Yep. So
0: Yeah, there were two other stations. Maybe
1: it's one of the other stations. Um... We're getting into big, you know, tinfoil hat territory here, but that's all we can do at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I guess it should also be addressed that, um, of course. I mean, I think this is, like, an illusion of sorts, because Noah is, like, a child here. So I'm thinking maybe this is, like, a dream of his, like Shulk had. Yeah. In uh, Xenoblade 1. Um, you know, of course it doesn't seem that real, because everyone is just very nonchalantly ignoring the fact that they are in space. Yeah. Um, everyone's just very casual. This is obviously going to link to, like, some big endgame lore stuff. Um... So, uh, yeah, th- this is definitely... Ugh, I have no idea what to draw from this, right. but it's very clearly important in some way. And the
1: fact that they're willing to show it off, I mean, even though, of course, they know that we get the space connections and the Earth connections by this point, I still don't think they would show something re- like from right at the very end game, which means that the game itself is probably going to get into that stuff earlier. So, I would guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to check something quickly. Yes. What are the names of the other two stations apart from Radamanthus? I... Because I thought, I just thought for a second, isn't one of them called Iorios? Or am I going crazy?
1: I feel like someone would have made that connection before Have we known that. I feel like I would have heard that. Surely. Now, but... I don't remember. Oh,
0: no, they're called... Uh, like, sort of, Asius and Minos. Okay. Uh, as the other two beanstalks, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> Alright, no worries. Um, and then, I guess the only other thing to talk about, which isn't really story, but... um, Why did they
1: move the release date? <laughs> I I can only imagine that's that well it was already completed, it's already done. I don't think it was a case of, we are finished early, so let's just release it early, because they would have known by that. It must be to do with other yeah. scheduling things, like... Maybe Splatoon Three's got pushed back, and they're like, "Okay, we need to release this later. So let's move Xenoblade up because that's ready." It's got to be something like that. Maybe because they are not.
0: Yeah, I mean, Splatoon Three we still don't have a release date for. They say summer. Yeah. And I pray that it's out before Xenoblade Three. <laughs> but
1: uh, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I don't Un-avort think really. so because June we've already got Mario Strikers and Fire Emblem. We do. So I feel like yeah. they they didn't move it here because they're short on stuff to release because. They're really not, so it must be to make room mm. for some other stuff. Maybe Splatoon Three, maybe Bayonetta, maybe some other stuff. We'll find out about about E Three that we don't know yet. But um, it makes mm. me more scared for this year's release. I mean, they just pushed back Breath of the Wild 2 and now Xenoblade were like, nope. <laughs> Have it's it early. The opposite, Sigma yeah.
0: Monoliths. Off. Exactly. <laughs> Good, like amazing working conditions, <laughs> and they move games forward. I love What's there's got to be something wrong with these guys, right? How are they so perfect? What's going on? It's a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) There's something weird, like with how good they are at what they do. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, That's really it in terms of um, all of the story stuff. You know, we've now covered both the characters and the story. Yes. Uh, Every facet we can think of. Of course, there's. I guess there's one more thing we can dote on uh, which I'd like to present um, which is kind of like a theory of sorts Mm -hmm. Um, so one point real quick is one thing we didn't touch on was Mio's diary where it's implied that she only has a certain amount of days left to live Yeah. uh, sort of referring to that clock that was talked about before and the theory that uh, you know people have a certain amount of days to live um, but I don't really have much else to substantiate Anything more than what people are already saying. Yeah. Um, but I do have a feeling, on the other hand, that I know how the game is going to proceed, especially near the start. Uh-huh. So I believe that um, the beginning of the game is going to be, you know, just doing the setting, maybe talking about some of the background. Uh, and for the first, like, chapter, I guess, I don't know how they're going to distribute it. You play as both the Kevis three main characters and the Agnes three separately to get used to them, t- tutorials on gameplay and whatnot. Mm. Um, you then have that scene in the forest where, of course, because the two sides are at war, those it's like a 3v3 fight that we see in the first trailer. Um, and then partway through the fight, uh, the the fight is interrupted by the evil Ouroboros guy. So I think he appears... He is going to like destroy them all and of course they team up to try and repel his attacks uh, because it's the bigger enemy. Uh, in this process, Noah and Mio's Ouroboros awakens. They're able to fight back and the evil one perhaps just like retreats. I feel like the evil Ouroboros guy is going to also kill someone in that scene but like not one of the main six characters so I don't know who it would be but mm. it just strikes me as that point in the game. Um, So after that happens The six characters talk to each other They realise oh what was that That is something we should be taking on instead Um, Shortly after They realise maybe when fighting against Ethel That for some reason both sides Are now against them vehemently Hmm. Um, Because of the red eyes uh, Both sides have identified that Group of six as the enemy now So I think the group of six Don't even realise it at first But because of their Ouroboros energy, uh, both sides are now chasing them, seeing them as evil. Yeah. Um, To get out of both the sides attacking them at the same time, that's where Van Damme comes in. He saves them, gives them refuge for a while, and tells them about how the Ouroboros stuff works a bit. You know, sort of helping give a bit of intro to how they work for Noah and Mio. Mm. Um, So I think that that is kind of... you're looking at the first... 10-15% of the game there is those proceedings.
1: Definitely plausible. I mean Um, going by your Ace Attorney uh, big brains there's a 50-50 shot. It could go either way. But I I do think that's definitely plausible. I could be completely wrong. That's definitely plausible but yeah it makes sense. Yeah. Past
0: that I don't really know how things are going to go. I don't know how the issue is even going to be resolved but the party's going to be like Okay, to resolve this, we need to go to Sword March, and there's just going to be lots of obstacles on their way. Yeah, just like how you need to reach the head of the Bionis or Sword Valley or uh, uh, Elysium, you know, like it's, it's, Sword March is the equivalent. Yeah, um, to finding out the true enemy. Uh, so that that'll be that, and then all I really <laughs> know apart from that is that through the middle of the story, you'll have confrontations with both Ethel and Isurugi, because, again, I think they're both the ones who have a change of heart. Um, I think you'll, you'll have conversations with both of them where you'll convince them that you're not the bad guy. Um, you know, characters like Tyon will have their plot arcs during that time. Um, and that's really all I've got. I, I don't have any predictions in terms of the end game, especially because you know how crazy they can get.
1: Yeah, um,
0: never know. So I have nothing on that front. Uh, Looking forward to finding but out. But either way, I'm sure it will link to the, the first two Xenoblade games very closely.
1: Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's
1: it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for watching these guys. Uh do appreciate it. I'll just do a quick outro here. Um, you can find Kai on his Twitch channel. There'll be a link in the description below. Big thanks to Sam for being our graphic designer and making mega thumbnails. He works hard. And check out our (laughs) gameplay analysis or talk through uh, on our channel as well if you want to hear more about what we think of the gameplay that was finally shown off in this trailer. But we will see you guys in the future for more Xenoblade content. Take care and goodbye.
0: Goodbye.